Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. It is Friday, September 10th, one week, one game in the books. We've got 15 more ahead of us. The NFL is back in our lives. I am Michael Beller, your host, taking you through the Friday edition of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. And you know what Friday means? That means we get together to talk gambling, and that is for everything we still have in front of us in week one. I am joined, of course, by Vic Tafer, Vic, our Las Vegas Raiders beat writer. And Vic, sounds like you won't be seeing uh, Gus Edwards or Marcus Peters on Monday night the way you were planning. That's crazy. The uh, Ravens are definitely the most snake-bitten team right now. It, um, I wonder if we'll see uh, Le'Veon Bell or what they're going to do with uh, Tyson Williams, I guess, the other guy there. But, um, yeah, to lose your top two running backs is uh, quite the uh, quite the blow for a team. Quite the blow for any team, and especially one that wants to run the ball as much as the Ravens do. Also here, Zach Jackson, Cleveland Browns beat writer, and uh, maybe the pads opening up even more so for an already very good Browns team, Zach, to win the AFC North with these injuries hitting the Ravens uh, harder than any team so far before the season has even gotten going. You and I have been screaming Browns plus 150 to win the division. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of people scream, don't invest in running backs, which is fine until you need them. Right. And just devastating for those guys. Uh, And, you know, now you're down to an undrafted rookie is your number one back. And Le'Veon Bell, who didn't do anything last year, you know, two days on the practice squad is probably going to be playing Monday night. Yeah. Very crazy. It's uh, maybe a a line that's going to be changing by the time that takes off. And you don't really see lines move because of running backs very often. But it's a unique circumstance that the Ravens find themselves in. We will get to that, I don't know, maybe 40 minutes or so from now at the very end of the show. Because at the start, we take this thing chronologically. We're going to go through all 15 remaining Week 1 games. We are all going to recommend a bet to you. We're just going to throw a bit out there. We're going to talk about it. If it's a bet we're making, we'll make sure you know that. If it's a bet we're just talking about, you know, for fun, for entertainment's sake, we'll make sure you know that as well. We start, you guys, with the Sunday 1 p.m. Eastern kickoff games in no particular order. Let's get it going here with Eagles and Falcons. As we are recording this, the Falcons are three and a half point favorites on BetMGM, and all lines that we reference are coming courtesy of BetMGM, our gambling partner. Three and a half point favorites are the Falcons at home. 48 and a half is the over-under. Zach, take us away first. Your bet for Eagles and Falcons. Yeah, you know, I lean over here inside high-scoring game. I'm not sure about either team's offensive line, right? But the one that jumps off to me, Dallas Goddard, the Philly tight end. You know, I just think that they want to get him involved. I think the shape of the game would make sense that he would be involved. And and just shopping around a couple places, I saw 44.5 for a total. Uh, I think he's going to crush that. I think that's one of my favorite bets of the weekend. Uh, Going right after a player prop there and looking in an easy circle for me on Dallas Goddard. All right, we got Dallas Goddard over 44 and a half yards kicking us off here. Vic, yours play for Eagles and Falcons. 
I agree that uh, both these teams are kind of unknown to this point, but I think both teams will score points. I think, uh, you know, Matt Ryan at home, I think he's still got some weapons, even with Julio Jones gone. I think Kyle Pitts, they're going to have fun using him around, moving him around all different oh, yeah. places. I think Jalen Hurts will be a big numbers guy. I'm not sure what wins and losses, but I think he'll be a big numbers guy for the, for the Eagles. So I like the over, uh, 48 and a half. Yeah, 48 and a half is where this number sits again. And it's going to be, this is a fun game in that it's two teams that we don't know a whole lot about in terms of how the pieces are going to fit together. We know the players, we know some of them well, we're learning some of them as this uh, uh, summer drags on, but it's going to be fun to see these two teams play an actual game. I think we learn a lot about them right off the bat here in week one. I'm doing the reverse uh, of what uh, of what uh, Zach said, or maybe the counterpart is the better way to say that. I'm flipping things over to Atlanta's side and their tight end, Kyle Pitts, the same number, 44 and a half yards is his over-under. And, and guys, this is a special tight end. We all know that anyone who watched any bit of college football last year saw him at Florida knows that this is not a tight end. This is a wide receiver built like a tight end, and that's how Atlanta's going to use him. I expect Pitts to be the Julio Jones replacement, or like he is 90% of it, and a little bit more for Calvin Ridley is the other 10% of it. I don't think Russell Gage is the replacement. They have Hayden Hurst to play in line and do some more of those traditional dirty uh, blocking tight end things. I think Kyle Pitts is basically a wide receiver. I think this is, without question, the lowest number we will see for Kyle Pitts receiving yardage over under this season, 44 and a half. One of my favorite plays of the weekend, regardless of game, one that I absolutely will be making. Give me Kyle Pitts to go over 44 and a half receiving yards this week and just start off that rookie year with a bang. Let's move on to one of the bigger games in week one slate, Steelers and Bills. Bills are six and a half point favorites at home. This one also with an over-under of 48.5. Vic, you take this one away first. What's your play here for this game? Uh, that one I'm going with uh, Big Ben Roethlisberger. I know the preseason doesn't mean much, but uh, what I saw, he looked good. Obviously, had a good start last year. I think uh, still got the good receiving weapons on his on – his, on his, I can't talk. Good receiving weapons on his squad. So I like the uh, – I'm not sure the Bills are going to – I'm sure the Bills are going to stop the Steelers early on, but I can definitely see either a backdoor cover or Big Ben get some yards – in that game late. Yeah, uh, I like the Bills to win the game here. You know, I, I don't know about laying a touchdown. That's kind of my lean. If I was making one play, um, a little bit of Vic's thinking. I think Stephon Diggs to go over his yardage total. I think Josh Allen can throw it a mile. I think Brian Dable's a good coordinator. Who knows? He doesn't really trust his run game, and sometimes he doesn't need to. I think this Sunday is one of those he doesn't need to. I look for a big game out of Diggs. Yeah, you know, that's uh, it's interesting that you pulled that one out, Zach. It's 88.5 is the uh, yardage total for Stephon Diggs to go over. And one that I considered here was Cole Beasley to go under his 47.5 receiving yardage total. I think that that's really where you get after Pittsburgh. This is a team that's going to that's gonna put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. It's a team that just signed T.J. Watt to an extension not long before we started this show. They brought in some reinforcements for that front seven, Joe Schobert, chief among them. So I think that the way you can get at Pittsburgh's defense is by attacking them deep. We know that's Steph Diggs game. That's part of why I don't like Cole Beasley in this one. But I'm going to stay away from that. This is probably a stay away game for me. If I were going to make a play on it, it would be the over. I think both of these offenses are able to do what they want to do. And over in Bills games with the way this team plays, I think is going to be another trend that we see this season. The highest neutral situation pass rate a season ago. Brian Dable isn't changing his stripes whatsoever. And why would he with the success they had last year and the personnel they have this year? I think Pittsburgh has enough firepower to match that and come back at them, keep this a high-scoring game. I would lean over, but again, probably a stay-away game 
for me. Next up on the slate, we have the Minnesota Vikings heading into Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. The Vikings road favorites in this one, you guys. They're laying a field goal. 47 and a half is the over-under for this game. Zach, you're up first here. What do you got in Vikings and Bengals? Yeah, this this was at the bottom of my list. I would probably take the Bengals in the points, but uh, not a lot of deep thought here. You know, I would expect Justin Jefferson to have a big game, which isn't exactly a surprising revelation, right? Um, interested to see Joe Burrow, but I think the Bengals keep it close, and maybe it comes down to a last-second field goal. Yeah, I don't want the Bengals. Uh, I don't want the Vikings. I think the one thing for me that looks like a sure thing is Dalvin Cook will get the ball. They're going to feed Dalvin Cook. Yes. So I took the uh, the over. It is, what is it, uh, 95 and a half 95 yards. 95 and so. a half. 95 and a half rushing yards. I think that's a pretty, uh, I don't want to jinx myself, but a pretty safe bet. <laughs> yeah, Del- Delman Cook with the, um, the the usage tree in Minnesota is just as uh, skinny as it gets. Uh, it's Delvin Cook, it's Justin Jefferson, it's Adam Thielen, and it's everyone else fighting for the scraps that are left over. Have to believe that Delvin Cook is going to be at least a solid bet to get over that. And he went over that 95 and a half mark in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games last year. He'll be sitting at that sort of total every single game this season. I am going to go to that bet that you mentioned, uh, Zach, with the Bengals catching the three. I'm still a little bit wary about this Minnesota defense. I know they brought in some new faces. I know they get some guys back that they didn't have last year. Daniil Hunter is the big name there. I'm still wary about this defense. And we should expect Mike Zimmer to have better defenses than he had last year in most seasons. I do think Minnesota's defense is better this season. I'm not sure it is good enough to trust them in a road spot against an offense that we also think has improved. Now, Daniil Hunter on his own could blow up this entire Cincinnati offensive line, and I look like an idiot. But I will still take the home team with the good offense, catching three points. All that adds up to a solid week one bet for me. Another one that I'll be picking in Super Contest. It'll definitely be among my five selections. Could be betting it this Sunday as well. Our next game, the 49ers going on the road as favorites, taking on the Lions. Niners are laying seven and a half, 45 and a half, the over-under in this one. One of the bigger spreads on the board here. We could see uh, the 49ers among Super Bowl contenders. The Lions not expected to contend for really anything other than maybe the first overall pick. Does that lead you to your pick, Vic? Yeah, you know, the Niners are going to pound the ball, I think, this year. They're going to run the ball, you know, left, right, up the middle, over and over again. And I'm going to pound them all here myself. I think... Uh, it's definitely a sucker bet, seven and a half point favorite on the road. That's uh, screams sucker, but I'm a sucker. Give me the Niners uh, at seven and a half. I think they'll cover pretty easily. I think they're going to have a, do- a dominant start to the season starting off on uh, on Sunday. Yeah, you know, I think Vic touched on a very unscientific theory that I tend to subscribe to, and that's <laughs> the first one you circle for a survivor pool is, is usually a dangerous one, right? And when you look at this week's slate, I think you look at teams like the Rams and you look at the Niners, obviously – Playing the Lions, I mean, Dan Campbell's had all these quotes, Jared Goff, you know, the, the Rams are ready to move on. Um, I think the Niners win the game. I'm a little hesitant at seven and a half, and it's really a no play for me here. Yeah, it's no play for me on the line as well. And that is, Zach, uh, the most popular survivor play right. on the board. Depending on where you play your survivor, you, there are some nice tools that you can uh, see to uh, find out what the just general population is picking. And from what I see, somewhere in the 30% range are on the 49ers. By far the most popular play on the board in survivor pools this week. I stay away from that. I do follow... Vic's line of thinking, however, in that we know what San Francisco wants to do. We know what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. And Raheem Mostert's rushing prop is sitting at 71 and a half yards on BetMGM. 
I like him to go north of that number. Trey Sermon's going to have a big, big role in this offense. I think for a rookie, it's reasonable to expect that that role starts out a little smaller than what it is halfway through the season at the end of the season. So I do think that it is Mostert shouldering the load for the 49ers run game in this one. And if it plays the script, if it is one that the 49ers win with relative ease, I think that Mostert is going to be in a good spot to go over that 71 and a half rush yard prop. This is one that I already have made as a bet. So I am with you on Raheem Mostert going over the 71 and a half for rushing yards. Cardinals and Titans, the next game on the board here. This could be among the more fun games, especially for fantasy players. Titans are three-point favorites at home, 51 and a half, the over-under. Zach, you're up first. What do you got for what we're expecting, or at least a lot of us are expecting to be a shootout? Um, this is edition three, right? In editions one and two, I was telling you I was a Kyler fan. So I'm going to stick with the Kyler fan here. If I had to make one play, I'd probably lean the over. But I see the Cardinals getting points. I know how bad Tennessee's defense was. Uh, I, I like the thought of the Cardinals going on and winning outright on the road. Ooh, okay. I'm going with uh, Julio Jones. I think it's a big, uh, you know, here, remember me kind of game. Like, I'm still around the deal. I think um, – Cardinal secondary is not that great. I'm not that impressed with them. I think obviously A.J. Brown's another big weapon on the other side. So should be plenty of times for Julio to get the ball. I think, I think the over, I think it's uh, 63 and a half yards receiving yards. So that's my, uh, my lock in, in that game. Hey, there's one thing that we know for sure about Julio Jones. It's that uh, he's going to play through injury, right? He, he still gets labeled as a guy who misses games. He just spends all week on the injury report, but he doesn't really miss games. He's had a bunch of seasons of a row of at least 14, 15 games played. So this is probably week one, the healthiest he's going to be all year. So you got to like that. And this should be a game that does go back and forth. And hey, A.J. Brown may be the more questionable health uh, among the Titans receiving core right now. I'm going to the first thing you said, Zach. I know that you know so often when we are expecting, just going into the game, expecting a shootout, it feels like it can come up short. I don't think so. I mentioned uh, earlier that the Bills are the number one team, at least last year, the number one team in terms of neutral game uh, pace and neutral game passing rate. Here's two and three in terms of neutral game pace from a season ago, the Cardinals and the Titans, and really nothing has changed about those teams personnel-wise that would make you think that either one of them comes off that pace this season. Both teams have defensive issues. Both teams have major defensive questions. Both teams are going to need to and, frankly, want to win with what their offense brings to the table. And so I think that those offenses are able to bring their best to bear and get over that 51 and a half mark. I think we see big games out of both uh, the, the stars on either side of this game. And I think that ultimately we're talking about a game that needs to be won in the 30s. I think we're looking at something along the lines of a 34-30, sort of game. Maybe the most fun game, most pure fun game on the board in week one. Give me Cardinals and Titans going over 51 and a half. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So moving along now to Seahawks and Colts. The Seahawks, another road favorite in week one. They are favored by a field goal. 49 and a half is the over under in this one. Uh, Vic, take this one away first. Who do you got uh, in this game between the Seahawks and the Colts? Well, I do think it's a good spot for the Colts being a home dog. But the problem is, uh, who knows what to expect out of Carson Wentz. He was hurt. Now he's back. Plus, he was terrible last year. It's also a factor. So uh, I like the under better than the side. I think um, the Colts' defense is pretty good. I think that's a good spot for the defense to kind of uh, help their offense along this week. And I'm not going to demand too much out of the offense. I I like the under uh, on both sides of the ball, actually. You know, uh, Michael, following a little of what Vic said there, this, to me, was the easiest game to just leave off my contest sheet, right? There's a new play caller in Seattle. (laughs) They're coming on the road. They're, Mm -hmm. They're a schizophrenic team anyway. Then you have the Colts, who have a really good defense. The offense, who's been available with all the COVID stuff, right? Carson Wentz, which version are we going to get? So, leaning under here, but again, to me, as far as taking a side or having a strong stance here, it was easy to say, let's look at the, at the full sheet and put this one at the bottom. Right there with you, Zach. This is an easy stay-away game for me. If I was going to recommend anything, it would be Michael Pittman's over. No T.Y. Hilton. We know the Seahawks have some major secondary questions that carry over from last season. Michael Pittman sliding in as the number one receiver for the Colts. I think for real, certainly for the time being, but I think he is the number one receiver on that team. I think he's the most talented guy on that team with where everyone is in their respective stages of their career. But even props aren't posted because we're not sure exactly about what Carson Wentz is going to play. We assume he's going to play. Sounds like he's going to play, but those still aren't available. It's just an easy stay away game for me with all the questions that are surrounding it. Next game up, I think one of the more interesting games on the board of the week for a lot of different reasons, not the least of which being that these could be two pretty good teams, AFC and NFC getting together. The Chargers go across the country to Washington, D.C., where they will take on the football team. This actually started, you guys, as the Chargers favored by one. It has swung over the last couple of days to now the Washington football team favored by one. The over-under has uh, stood rock steady at 44 and a half. Zach, you're first up for this. Any play for you in Chargers in Washington? Yeah, nothing strong. Um, I would say this. The biggest Chargers fans in Northeast Ohio are Brandon Staley's family. They're about 45 miles north of me. But I'm next in line. I just think this team, coaching upgrade, special teams upgrade, O-line upgrade, it reminds me a lot of the Browns from last year. And that you fix a couple of things and you get a competent coach in there to a team that's already pretty talented, they take off. Mm -hmm. Does that show up in week one across the country? I don't know. But uh, I wouldn't take Washington here. I'm going to ride the Chargers all the way. Maybe I'll be wrong sooner than later. But I'm a big Chargers fan this year. Yeah, I think it will be a defensive struggle. I was looking for like a turnovers number, but I couldn't find one. So I'm going to go with the under, like 44 and a half. I think, uh, you know, I do like the, um, the Chargers secondary especially. And I like uh, Washington's uh, defensive line. It's probably one of the best in the league. So I think that's good enough for me just to take the under and uh, not care about who wins. Yeah, not wouldn't be a surprise, I think, if this game does play to the under, especially when you think that, you know, quote, better offense, the better offense on paper is the one that's making that three time zone travel and playing at a 10 a.m. start for where their home is. Then you factor in that Austin Eckler maybe doesn't play 
in this game. And certainly if he does play, sounds like he's not going to be at 100% with that hamstring injury that popped up toward the end of the week. So that is definitely concerning for the Chargers. I look at the running back on the other side of this game. Look at Washington's depth chart and tell me who threatens Antonio Gibson for carries. There's no one. No one is going to threaten him for carries on that team. And so I think that he dominates carries in such a way that we expect from guys like Dalvin Cook, like Ezekiel Elliott. I think Antonio Gibson gets into that group this season. And so long as the Chargers don't run away with this game, Washington can play that brand of football. Maybe they don't have Curtis Samuel, so maybe they don't want to put things in Brian Fitzpatrick's hands as much as they would with a full complement of weapons. 61.5 is the uh, prop for Antonio Gibson. That is one that I like quite a bit. I wrote it up in my uh, favorite props column uh, on the site, so you can check that out as well. One that I will be playing. I think Antonio Gibson, as long as this game stays close, and I think it does regardless of who wins. I don't have a great lean on who wins this game, but I think I have a feeling of how the game unfolds. And if it unfolds that way, Antonio Gibson, I think he'll sail past 61 and a half rushing yards. Next game up for us, Jets and Panthers in Carolina. Sam Darnold gets a shot at a revenge game right off the bat. Robbie Anderson is already talking revenge game narrative as well. Carolina favored by four at home, 44 the over-under in this one. Vic, what do you got for us in Jets and Panthers? I love the whole revenge game thing. I mean, people don't really – people forgot that Sam Darnold was not was not good. He was definitely part of the problem last year. <laughs> but I get it, new lease on life and all that. And I think it's a tough spot for the Jets, obviously, rookie quarterback on the road. But I can't back uh, Sam Darnold. So I'm going to back uh, the under again. I'm becoming an under player later in the day. I think um, defenses will rule the afternoon and I'll be uh, – We're riding high with the defenses, so I'm taking the under. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Jets, rookie quarterback, right? New coach going on the road. It's not generally a winning formula. So a little hesitant of over a field goal because I'm not sure how good Carolina is going to be, especially early in the year. So, you know, here I like the Panthers to win the game. If you're into teasing, I'm not. If you're into parlays, which, you know, I'm more apt to go that route. So I think Carolina wins the game. But, again, this is another one. Um, I hate to sound like a broken record, but it's week one. Be careful, right? Sit on it. You don't have to play every single game. Yeah. Not only do you not have to, you absolutely shouldn't. And that's something we're always going to be driving home on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. You got to be responsible with the way that you do these things. It's fun to talk about them. That's why we run through every game. But we only want to play the select few that we really feel good about. I actually feel better about the Jets than you guys do. I like the Jets plus four. It's one I could see myself playing. I'm not rushing to the window to place that bet. But this was sitting at five a couple of days ago, and I felt a lot better about it at five than I do at four. But... I don't know. I like what the Jets have done up front in front of Zach Wilson. I like what they've done for him out wide, bringing in Corey Davis, one of the more underrated acquisitions of this offseason. I think he can be a legitimate, you know, a one and not in the way that we talk about guys like Stephon Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins, but enough of a one to be a clear lead dog in a passing offense that is able to move the ball. I think that Corey Davis proved he can do that last year playing alongside A.J. Brown. I think that they have enough behind him in the backfield with Tevin Coleman, Michael Carter, and Ty Johnson. Obviously, you've got LaFleur in there now coming from that Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. So even though there's going to be things to work out, I think that there are enough things that they can work out quickly that this offense is going to have some competency relatively early in the season. Four just feels a little bit too heavy for me uh, for an unproven Carolina team with Sam Darnold, who definitely was part of the issue with the Jets offense over these last few seasons. So I will take the Jets plus four in Carolina 
Jaguars and Texans, the next game that we got to talk about here. Jaguars get another road favorite. They are laying a field goal. 45 and a half is our over under. Zach, your first up for this game. Trevor Lawrence's debut. You're going to go with them. You're going to go something with him. Or are you looking elsewhere here? Covered the Browns for a long time means I covered a lot of bad Browns teams, right? And everybody gets a little optimistic this time of year, but the reality is when you're starting over with a new regime, when you have drama going on, when you're looking to the future, your roster's not good enough. Everybody's healthy and hungry in week one. So am I hesitant on Urban? Am I hesitant on a rookie quarterback? Sure. But I just can't back the Texans. This is one of my favorite plays. I think the Jaguars win by 10 or more. I totally agree. I think after this game, Urban Myers like, man, I should have come to the NFL a long time ago. This is easy. <laughs> I mean, this is a, this is cake. I think the, the Texans obviously they just uh, dumped Roby. They're clearly in tank mode. I think having Deshaun Watson there every week and not playing, it's got to be so weird for his teammates. Like, what? It's just a, such a bizarre and obviously been a, it's a poorly run organization in the last year, more than the last year. So, I think it's a nice a nice layup for uh, for Trevor and for Urban in, in Week One. Yeah, we're unanimous there. I like the Jaguars as well. Just to change things up in this, I, I'll, I'll take the under. I'll take the under 45 and a half. Uh, we don't have any confidence in Houston's offense, nor should we really have a ton of confidence in this offense. There's a lot of veterans around. I guess if you were going to build the case for Houston's offense is that there's there's competency at a lot of positions with Terod and with Philip Lindsay and Mark Ingram in the backfield and with Brandon Cooks as your number one receiver. Like These guys have all seen a thing or two in the NFL, so they're not going to be cowed by any moments. And so if you wanted to build them, maybe the Texans are a little bit friskier than you think argument. I think that's where you would sit, but I'm not sure that they're friskier than you think. I don't have a ton of confidence in this offense. Right. And I think there's going to be some speed bumps, some hiccups along the way early on for the Jaguars. I like what they're building long-term, but I think it's going to take a while to get there. So I, I feel comfortable with the under. It's probably though a general stay away from me. If I'm beating the drum for something, I'll take the under, but I'm not beating the drum for anything. I'm just going to watch this game and stay away from it from a betting standpoint. This one, however, one of the biggest games of the day. I think you can make a very good argument. It is the biggest game of week one. It's also the first game in our late slate A game. Zach, you'll be watching this one closely. Browns and Chiefs getting together. Chiefs, six-point favorites at home. 54-and-a-half, the over-under in this one. I know we're supposed to be going first to Vic, but Zach, you're covering this one. Uh, what do you got for Browns and Chiefs? Yeah, so... I, I you know, the Browns were last seen playing the Chiefs in Arrowhead, right? The Chiefs obviously went on and played two more games. Uh, the Browns have completely remade their defense. The Chiefs have completely remade their offensive line. There is some mystery. There are There is some uncertainty in this game, but there's a lot of certainty, too. The Chiefs are going to be mad. The Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs can score with anybody. I think eventually the Browns' defense might be a ton better. Well, in some ways, it can't help but be at least a little bit better, right? I'm not sure that's going to be week one in Arrowhead. I like the Chiefs team total over. I like the Chiefs to score a ton. Um, part of the reason I lean towards the game over more than anything else, though, I think if you're Kevin Stefanski, the Browns coach, and an excellent play caller, I think you look back at that playoff game and you say, there is not much chance that these two teams are going to play 22-17 again. I think he needs to understand and does understand that his team is going to have to score 30 or more, maybe more than 35 to have a chance. I think he'll call plays. I think he'll trust Baker Mayfield accordingly. And I think this will turn into a shootout. Yeah, I definitely can see that. I think uh, I had the Chiefs. Uh, I took the points. I laid the points. I think, uh, much like my Julio Jones thing earlier, I think it's a game where Mahomes like, hey, remember me? I'm the best player in the league. Last year, whatever happened with the O-line and the Super Bowl, me running around for my life. Forget all about that. I'm, I'm back. I'm the best guy. The Browns are they're nice. They're a nice little team, but 
a different level as far as the, the quarterback play. So I think the Chiefs will cover the spread and, like like he said, score a lot of points uh, on, on Sunday. I'll say this as uh, just an impartial football fan in this one. I really hope this is not the last time that we see these two teams play because high hopes are uh, had for both of these teams, obviously justifiably. No one needs to make that argument for the Chiefs, but this Browns team has been building to this season and uh, everything that happened last year for them, no fluke, no way, not by any stretch of the imagination. So I think they're right there. I think they should be talked about in the same breath, maybe not as the Chiefs, but right there with the Chiefs and the Bills as the AFC favorites. I am very excited for this game. And I think something about the the Browns is that they're one of the teams that can hang with the Chiefs and can also slow them down if they want to because of what they have in the backfield, what they have up front on that offensive line. So I'm actually looking at the first half under. 25 and a half is the number at BetMGM. Yeah, I think the Browns can control pace to a certain extent in this one with Nick Chubb mixing in Kareem Hunt and doing what they do up front. And that could keep this game as something like a 14-10 in the first half. And there's still plenty of room for this then to hit the game over, right? We could see things pick up in a big way in the second half. And it wouldn't surprise me, akin to what we often see in Super Bowls, where teams start out slowly feeling one another out, and then the second half things open up a little bit. Well, these are two teams who just played each other in the playoffs last year, two teams who both expect to be among the AFC favorites. And maybe there's a little feeling out period between these two very good to great teams that ultimately opens up in the second half. But I do think it starts slow. And I think the Browns have what it takes on the offensive side to keep Patrick Mahomes to, you know, maybe two and a half or three possessions at most in the first half. So I will take under first half, Browns Chiefs 25 and a half. I think that's a very brave call. (laughs) I I, I think that's the boldest call we've heard yet. But we'll see, you know, first games, first games, things happen, right? But you look, the Browns bring back every single guy on offense and they're going to have 11 to 13 new contributors on defense. So, again, those are potential upgrades, and they're, they are upgrades. But in the first game against Patrick Mahomes, it's pretty scary. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll just have to see what happens on Sunday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all... It's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All 
right, let's get to our next game here. Dolphins and Patriots. Patriots, three-point favorites. 43 is the over-under in uh, this game. An interesting one. Already sort of an important test for both these teams in the AFC East when you consider the Bills of the big bully. And then you've got these teams jockeying for position in second place. And this could already be an important wild-card matchup for these two teams. Vic, what do you got for this one? I'm going with the old, uh, you know, veteran good coach against rookie quarterback. I think – I don't think Mac Jones, the guy's, he has a very tough test, I think, against the Dolphins defense. So I don't want to take the side because I don't really have a lot of faith in Tua quite yet. I think it's one to go with the under. Like the under seems like the way to go with this game. Uh, two good defensive teams, which I'm not sure what the quarterbacks are going to give us. Yeah, I'm going to ride with Vic here, and I'm going to ask you guys. Outside the Texans, who's going to be an under team early in the year? you got to think it's going to be Bill Belichick, conservative mindset. Mm-hmm. A lot of pieces back on defense and a rookie QB who fits what he wants to do, which is hand it off, right? Run the clock and then in play conservatively, hand it over to his defense under all the way here. It's like one pick leads right into the other because my pick here is a Damian Harris anytime T- anytime TD plus 100. I like Damian Harris as a first scorer TD as well, but uh, we know that. When Belichick has a running back who he trusts in these early down situations and in these goal line situations, he rides him. The the idea of Bill Belichick being someone who wants to rotate backs as like a maxim of his game plan, you know, I think that's more based on the personnel that they've had and the fact that they just don't spend up for running backs. But when he has a guy that he trusts in these situations, he does it. Corey Dillon. Stephen Ridley, LeGarrette Blunt, he will ride a guy if he thinks they are good for him in early down, first and second downs, and in goal line short yardage situations. Well, Damian Harris fits that to a T, and if you need any proof of that, you can go back a couple weeks to when they shipped Sony Michelle out to L.A. Uh, they really trust Damian Harris in those situations. So I don't know if Damian Harris plays much, if at all, on third down, unless they're in a hurry-up situation. But first down, second down, short yardage, goal line, Damian Harris owns that role for the Patriots. And anytime TD at plus 100, that is something I can definitely get on board with in basically any game that the Patriots are favored and playing at home. Next game up, Broncos and Giants. Broncos three-point favorites. That one has moved up half a point today. That's been sitting at two and a half for the last few days. Now three-point favorites on the road against the Giants. 41 and a half are over under here. Zach, what do you got for this one? If it's three, I lean the Giants. Um, I just don't know. You know, I think there's a little bit of optimism for each of these teams. I, I think there's reason, starting with the quarterbacks, the most important position in the game, to really be down on these teams. So, uh, again, week one, an ugly game, pretty easy scratch. But if it's plus three, I lean the Giants if, if you twist my arm here. Yeah, doing the research and we look at all these lines, trying to find these cool plays, and I found a big hole in the Vegas uh, handicapping uh, world. I need a guy who sets lines for personal turnovers. Like, I need, like, a number, <laughs> like Daniel Jones turnovers over two and a half because that's the number I would pound because I think Daniel Jones is, A, not very good, especially under pressure. I think the offensive line for the Giants is not good at all this year. And the one thing I'm positive, I'm, the Broncos, I'm not sold on the Broncos, but their front seven's really good. The pass rush is really good. I think Von Miller's primed for a big year. I think this would be a really, really rough day for Mr. Jones, and I would definitely take over two and a half turnovers, but it's not available. So I'm going with the under. The under seems like to play for me if I can't get my, uh, my turnover line. <laughs> Hey, Vic, not only does Denver have that strong front seven, but they shorted the secondary over the offseason as well. Kyle Fuller coming over from Chicago, reuniting with Vic Fangio. They draft Patrick Sertan II. They bring in Ronald Darby. Like, this is now a pretty good defense from front to back, and I think that this could be a disaster 
for the Giants. You're talking about a team that, you know, our, our uh, your guys' uh, colleague, especially Dan Duggan, talking about just, I think, yesterday in a column he wrote at The Athletic that they still don't know what their starting offensive line is going to look like for this game. The game is in three days, and they don't know what's going to be up front in front of Daniel Jones exactly. So that's a huge issue. Daniel Jones is an issue. Saquon's not at 100%. Kenny Galladay didn't see the field all summer. Maybe he doesn't even play in this game. I just think that this could be a disaster for the Giants going up against what Denver's defense brings to the table. I am all over the Broncos minus three in this one. Let's get on to Packers and Saints. This is a neutral site game. Remember the Saints, this was supposed to be in New Orleans, moved because of Hurricane Ida, this game being played in Jacksonville. The Packers, four and a half point favorites. 50 is our over-under in this one. Vic, what do you got for Packers and Saints? I got uh, Aaron Rodgers. I think the, uh, the he's uh, the farewell tour starts on Sunday. Farewell, Green Bay. I think uh, 276 yards and a half is the over in passing yards. I'm going with that. I think it's uh, it's unfortunate for the Saints. The game can't be at home. They're playing in Jacksonville. There's a storyline that they chose that place because Aaron doesn't do well in Florida, but she was told. He laughed at. So, again, <laughs> he's going to throw the ball. The Saints secondary definitely. I think the defense is actually pretty good this year. But, this again, it may take a while to gel. This is not a great opening test for them. I think Aaron Rodgers will definitely throw the ball around and get a bunch of yards. Yeah, Jameis is going to have to prove it to me, right? Um, one big game in a preseason game against the Jaguars isn't going to do it for me. I, I'm going to take the Packers or nothing here. It's it's not a game I, I need to have, but just in my general thought is that, that Jameis is going to need to prove it to me this year. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, this is my don't overthink it game of the week. And this is something that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks since uh, the three of us have been getting together for these Friday episodes. We're expecting a lot out of Aaron Rodgers. We're expecting a lot out of this Packers team this season. Four and a half almost feels like a gift. And sometimes you have to look at that askance and be like, are they trying to make us feel like it's a gift? But I just think that the Packers are comfortably, comfortably the better team here. I mean, they were comfortably the better team last year, and it's hard to craft any sort of argument that says the Saints are better this year without Drew Brees than they were last year with him, even though obviously we were not talking about peak Drew Brees or anything near it. So I just think that this is a game where the Packers should be favored by something closer to a touchdown, you guys. I think that they they go in, they roll, they win this game relatively comfortably, and that Aaron Rodgers, um, I'm still pretty awesome tour, gets off to a very, very strong start. Really like the Packers. One of my favorite sides. Not necessarily one of my favorite bets when we're factoring in totals and props, but one of my favorite sides of the week is Packers minus four and a half, a wager I will be placing for sure. We've got two more games left. The primetime game, Sunday night football, Bears and Rams in LA. Sort of the actual opening of SoFi Stadium, considering that they couldn't have any fans in the stadium last year. That will not be the case on Sunday night. Andy Dalton, not Justin Fields, starting for the Bears. Seven and a half point favorites are the Rams. 46 and a half, the over-under. Zach, your play for Bears and Rams. Yeah, ugly, ugly. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure the Rams cover, but I'm very sure they win. I mean, they're at the top of my survivor list. Again, if you're teasing your money line parlaying, you got to look there. I, I just can't buy the Andy Dalton led Bears. Uh, I've watched them in the preseason. <laughs> I've followed them probably more than I should. Call it the Ohio Justin Fields thing. I just don't see a team equipped to go pull that kind of upset. So I, I know the Rams have have their own questions and their own things to prove. But uh, I see Aaron Donald in the backfield a lot, and, and I see the Rams, uh, you know, winning this game. I'll be stunned if they don't win it by some sort of comfortable margin. Well, I got some bad news for you. <laughs> You're going to be stunned. I'm taking the Bears in the money line. I think it's what plus two thirty five. 
As I mentioned in, like, in the last show, I'm not sold on the Rams this year. I think uh, I everybody was excited about you know Matt Stafford when he came over. Like, oh, this is his chance to prove that Detroit's holding him back. But I think there's a small chance that maybe the gap between Stafford and Goff is not as big as we think. Maybe Stafford's lack of mobility comes into play. The running game is in shambles. I'm not sure Sonny Michelle's going to be the guy, the answer for them, but they want to see. But the Bears have a great defense. You know, we mentioned in the past that they were 8-8 last year despite – having a horrible quarterback situation. Um, yeah, Andy Dalton's not good, but I think it can be enough. And I also think the best offensive player on the field will be wearing a Chicago Bears uniform. I think it's Allen Robinson, so I think he can have a big game. And so uh, I'm going to just shock the world. I'm shocking you, shocking all the survivor <laughs> picks. Bears money line. Let's get it going. Oh, man. I mean, that's going to be – that would be week one survivor pool havoc if that indeed does happen. It's actually up to plus 280, Vic, so you're getting a little bit better of a deal on your money there. I, I can't go there. This is a stay away from me. Um, I do – seven and a half does feel like a big number when you still feel like the Bears should be able to be a pretty good defense this season. I would like to see Eddie Goldman in this game. Eddie Goldman opted out due to COVID last year. He's been on the Bears injured list during their uh, during practice this week. Every practice report has had him as a limited participant. I want to see Eddie Goldman play for the Bears. I think that that defense is a whole lot better when he's in the middle of the line. It's a stay away for me. It's a pretty easy stay away for me. In fact, I basically don't want to touch anything with the Bears until we get a couple of Justin Fields games under our belt. If I was going to suggest anything, though, I think this line has an awful tough time. And by this line, I mean the Bears offensive line, an awfully tough time standing up to Aaron Donald and the Rams. So if I was going to do something, it would be Rams minus seven and a half. But it's something that I feel awfully comfortable staying away from. Last game of week one, the game that Vic will be attending Ravens and Raiders. Now, let me actually see. Let's see in the moment. Let's see. Let me refresh and see if this has changed at all because of the Ravens injuries. Give me one second. And it has. It's gone down half a point. So Baltimore is now minus four in Vegas. The over under 50 and a half in this one. So that hasn't changed. So still a relatively high over under in this one. Ravens favored by four on the road. Vic, what do you got for us here? Well, you know, obviously the Raiders defense has definitely been improved. They addressed the pass rush with Ngakwe. They got a True center fielder and Merrick, I think. Um, but it's going to take a while. They didn't play a lot in the preseason. I think Lamar Jackson's a really, really tough test. I know that even even with the two running backs being out, I think it's still a tough test for this defense. They got enough talent, a receiver, and Mark, you know, Mark Andrews is, is a stud. So I think the Ravens are going to score points. I think the Ravens' pass rush is also a question mark for them. So the Raiders have always scored points. I think that's no different here. So I'm taking the over. Uh, it's a big number, but I think both teams will score uh, not easily, but enough points to you won't be really sweating it in, in the fourth quarter. Well, I've given you guys a bunch of shoulder shrugs and a bunch of I don't knows uh, throughout <laughs> this episode, but this is before we started recording this and before the injury news came out, I was in on the Raiders plus four and a half. I just think they're at home on Monday night. The Ravens have a lot of questions. They've had a lot of moving parts with trying to fix their offensive line with some older guys. Again, this is before the Gus Edwards injury. When they lost Dobbins, that's a huge blow. And I just think coming across the country, four and a half is a lot to give. I know they have great week one numbers. Well, last year they were playing the Browns with a first-year coach, right, in a pandemic. Like, they ran up the score and they could have scored more. I think the Raider, the Ravens could win it on a Justin Tucker bomb at the buzzer. I don't think they're covering four and a half. One of my favorite plays of the week is the Las Vegas Raiders. 
you know what? I'm in on that too now. I, I just think like this is first of all, I'll say probably a game I'm staying away from. Not one of my favorite plays, but if I'm going to make a recommendation, I do like the Raiders as well. I think there's a, just a little bit more to this team than they're getting credit for. And, you know, I mean, you know, they've, the Ravens have a lot in Lamar Jackson. They've got, you know, a very good quarterback, a guy who does what he does and does it very well. But with everything that's gone wrong around them this offseason, I mean, I just wonder, like when these guys get together on Sunday, it'll be the first time that those 11 have played any meaningful snap together with the injuries to J.K. Dobbins and now Gus Edwards and Marquise Brown and Rashad Bateman much earlier in the summer. Like these 11 guys who get together that first snap, it's like, they're still going to be figuring things out, I think, in that game. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see a slow starting Ravens team in this one. And it's already asking something of a team to make that trip and to cover four points on the road. It's just a hard thing to do. It's not easy to do that on the road week one in the NFL. So I think there's just a lot being asked of the Ravens with this number. Give me the Raiders plus Four. And that's it, guys. You know, uh, you know, this is our maiden voyage uh, in terms of running through all 15 games. We weren't exactly sure how it was going to go. You know, we were sort of a week one feeling out period, but I think we did it pretty darn well. What are you guys thinking after this first episode here? Well, I like to say I'm smarter than I look to start with, but I do feel like I'll be <laughs> a little bit smarter in week two and week three. You know, we look at these these lines all off season long, right? And we think we have our projections and stuff, but we don't really know. So I'm really excited. I'll be in Arrowhead Stadium. I'm really excited for that game and to see some scores and, and you know, to then to kind of plot it out from there. So I'm back in the Los Angeles Chargers for the season. I'm back in the Raiders uh, to, to cover the number on Monday night. And the rest, we'll wait and see if I know anything at all. How are we going to chart Sunday look like? Yeah. We're gonna chart this. We're gonna like do a record of all the games head to head. I got like oh, last yeah. year. Last year I got punked pretty good. So I gotta get my revenge this year <laughs> on both of you guys. I know you're new, but you're, you're getting some too. So this year I'm fired up. The Bears and I are fired up this weekend. I will definitely be tracking this for us all season long. We'll track both our strong picks, you know, which we highlighted throughout the show, and we'll track just all 15 of our picks as well. Um, so it'll be fun. It'll be fun. We'll have something riding on, and we'll have something to talk about, and you out there will have something to keep us honest with all season. Very important whenever you are talking gambling. It's going to wrap things up for us here on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. We are back with you in this space next week. The Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast returns on Monday. Me, Brandon Funston, Jake Seeley, looking back at week one, giving you a look ahead to week two waivers. Have a great week. Enjoy all the football. We'll talk to you soon.